Hello, friends, and welcome to the Sermons Podcast of Christ Church at Grove Farm. We are excited that you are joining us as we enter into the season of Advent and make our way to the celebration of Jesus' birth. This Advent season, we are looking at Emmanuel and asking the question out loud that many of us are thinking, is God with us? You can join us here on our YouTube channel, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and of course our website, ccgf.org, as we explore this question, experience Advent, and look to God's Word for His promises. Here is this week's message. Grace and peace to you. Among the favorite works of Christmas is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol, first published in in 1843. I want to read you an excerpt this morning from this. This flashes to the end when the ghost of Christmas yet to come shows up on the scene. Listen to Dickens' description of of that phantom. It says, The phantom slowly, gravely, silently approached, and when it came near him, Scrooge bent down upon his knee. For in the very air through which this spirit moved, it seemed to scatter doom and gloom and mystery. It was shrouded in a deep black garment, which concealed its head, its face, its form, and left nothing of it visible save one outstretched hand. But for this, it would have been difficult to detach its figure from the night and separate it from the darkness by which it was surrounded. How about that description of the the ghost of the future? Uh, Scattered gloom, mystery, darkness. It feels a lot like that video you just watched, doesn't it? And listen to Scrooge's response when he sees this apparition, when he sees this ghost. He says, ghost of the future, I fear you more than any specter I have seen. I fear you more, is what Scrooge says. I feel like right now we're living in a time when people think about the future, when they think about 2021 and beyond. I think we're approaching it a lot like Scrooge approached the ghost of Christmas yet to come, afraid. So many people are afraid. So many people have fear. And I think there's a list of questions that people are considering. I made a list here. Will the surge continue? There's a surge happening, isn't there? Will it continue? There's there's literally something called coronaphobia. Maybe you have it. Will the surge continue? Will the virus take out me? Will it take out a loved one? Come on, we've all considered that question. Is this going to touch my life? Will the vaccine arrive and will the vaccine even work? I want to take it. There's doubts about that. Will the economy crash? Will I lose my job? Will the culture wars continue? On and on it goes. People are afraid. People are fearful. And it it really feels like the future is up in the air. Feels like the future is up in the air. Unpredicted. And it's like approaching this, this ghost, this apparition. You know, we would approach the end of the year and the dawning of a new year and pastimes with a sense of how things were going to go in the next 12 months. I mean, we felt like we had a grip on it and, and we could kind of peer into the future and see what was going to happen. But it doesn't feel like that anymore, does it? I mean, if 2020 has taught us anything, it's this. We are not in control. Do you feel that way? Think about it. There's this microscopic virus, unseen to the naked eye, and it has wreaked havoc 
and caused all this uncertainty across the globe. People are wondering, you know, uh, it's having an impact on, on health. It's having an impact on the economy. It's having an impact on our jobs. It's having an impact on our lives. And it seems like no matter what we do, we can't quite stop. And wearing masks, social distancing, legislation, it's not slowing down. It's not being stopped. And so people are wondering. It sure does seem like the future is up in the air. And that's where we sit today. You know, it's interesting. We're going to be looking this morning at Isaiah chapter 9. And Isaiah chapter 9, we started this last week, and we read the first two verses and, and took a look at them and, and what they speak to us in this Advent season. And in Isaiah chapter 9, we learned about these people, Zebulun and Naphtali, the northern kingdom. And the people there were, were under siege. They've been taken captive by the Assyrians. This is around 750 B.C., long, long time ago. And these people, as we talked about, heard a message that we read in, in chapter 9 of Isaiah, verses 1 and 2, where it talks about darkness, a very real darkness, being turned to light. They were given these words of hope. And, and i got to believe that to a people who felt like the future was up in the air, to a people who had to have some fears based on what they were experiencing, that what Isaiah was saying to them was as if he was painting a picture of the future. And so that's what we're picking up today. We're looking at a picture of the future presented by Isaiah. And it was for certainly this audience, the Jewish people in Israel who are under captivity, but it's also for you. It's for us. And so would you right now, as we consider the state of these times, as we consider a future that feels like it's up in the air, would you turn with me to Isaiah chapter 9? We're going to be picking up in verse 3 as Pastor Robbie has already read for us. Let's take a look at what the Scriptures have to say to us this morning as we dive back into this prophecy. Okay, This is Isaiah painting a picture of the future. Let's look and see what he says. He says this, You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as a people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. Okay, so the first thing that Isaiah says is he paints this picture of the future. He says that it's going to be like a nation enlarged. He says, you've enlarged the nation. Well, what's all that about? Well, this actually goes back to the beginning. See, what, what Isaiah is speaking to here is that the people of Israel are going to mysteriously become a multitude of people. And this goes beyond like people having babies and more kids being born among Israel. There is going to be this unbelievable multiplication of this nation of Israel. Well, what's that mean? Well, let's go again, go back to the beginning. If you look at the book of Genesis, chapter 17, verse 5, we have this prophecy that was spoken to Abraham. Then Abram, listen, it says, no longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham. Why? For I have made you a father to many nations. The nation's going to be enlarged. Jesus actually speaks to this. Go to John 10. And by the way, I'm going to give you a bunch of scriptures today. I encourage you, jot these down. Go back to them. Look at this passage for yourself. 
Read this passage and look at these scriptures. Look at John 10, verse 12. Actually, it says 16. My eyes are pretty bad. I think it's 10, 16. Yeah, it is. Okay, it says, I have other, Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. He's saying to Israel, Israel, I have other sheep who aren't a part of this pen right now. I'm going to bring them with me also. They too will listen to my voice. And there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Once again, what's this speaking to? The enlargement of a nation. Israel wasn't going to just remain Israel, this insider thing. It was going to go to the world. Let me, I was trying to think, like, well, how can I explain, express this in a way that would maybe make sense? And I thought to myself, you know, I bet there are a lot of people in this room right now who are listening online who are fans of Hallmark Christmas movies. You're one of those people, aren't you? I see you. You are. You're one of those people. Hallmark Christmas movies. And you know how the Hallmark Christmas movies go. You only have to watch one. You know the plot for all of them, right? <laughs> Candace Cameron Bury, because she's always in them. She's driving across town. She's headed to Christmastown. And on the way to Christmastown, what happens? But she breaks down. Well, luckily for her, there's the town handyman who just so happens to be a stud <laughs> and happens to be taking care of an orphan child. He comes along and helps her and makes sure that her car gets on the way and they fall in love and they get married and they adopt the child, right? They adopt the child. And of course, the kid gets from Santa a dump truck full of toys and candy. Adopts the child. Why do we like this stuff? Well, here's why I think we like it because this is what God's done for us. Why, why are we moved by stories of orphans being given a home. You know why? Because all of us, all of us are spiritual orphans. You may say, well, I'm, I'm not an orphan. I have parents. No, no. We're spiritual orphans. But here's what God has done. and He's prophesying of it right here in Isaiah 9. He has enlarged the nation. And he's brought us into his family. Ephesians 2 says it like this, verses 19 through, through 22. Paul says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. You used to be orphans. Now you're a part of his house. Now you're a part of his family, he says. Build on the foundation. His house is built on the foundation of the apostles, Peter, Paul, all of those guys, and the prophets, prophets like Isaiah, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building, the whole house, the whole family is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. Do you see this? I want you to rest in this for a moment. When it speaks of this enlargement of the nation, this means something to you and me. And it's powerful. We were orphans. And the great incomparable news is that the nation's been enlarged and you and I, through Christ, through the Messiah, can be a part of it. So that's the very first thing he says. When he paints a picture of the future, Isaiah says, listen, the nation's going to be enlarged, multiplied, infinitely, beyond what you can imagine. And it's good news for people. And then they continue. Isaiah continues, and he continues to paint this picture, what the future's going to look like. And here's what he says. He says that they're going to have increased joy that their joy will be increased, that they'll be rejoicing. And he depicts this through some 
through some familiar things to the people of that day. You see, speaking of the ministry of the Messiah, that's going to bring joy. Joy to the people and gladness to Israel. And he says it's going to be like harvest. Back in those days, this was an agrarian society. Farming was a big deal. And so there would be a harvest, of course, and there was great rejoicing at the harvest. There would be singing. There would be a festival, a great celebration. He says it's going to be like that. People are going to be joyous. It's going to be like the harvest. And then he goes on top of that. He says, on top of that, it's going to be like a plunder, like a big victory. It's going to be like the times when people come back and they celebrate victory in a battle. Let me put it again in terms that we can understand. If you're from Pittsburgh, you are a fan of the Pirates, the Steelers, and the Penguins. So think about this. I have some pictures to show you, okay? Imagine how you would feel, if you could even imagine this, the Pirates winning the World Series. Look at that, 60, Mavs. Think about the joy in the city. Or think about the Steelers in the 70s. Winning the, that first Super Bowl after years and years of being a really bad team. Kicking off the dinosaur. Or think about the Penguins in the 90s. I remember Lemieux and Yager and those guys. What an incredible time. And then, of course, we've had so much success with the Steelers, even up to present day. Big Ben, Coach Tomlin. I mean, imagine how all that feels. Put all that together. Put it with the harvest. Put it with the plunder. And all of that can't even begin to describe the kind of joy that God has for his people in the future. That's what Isaiah the prophet is saying. He's saying there's incredible joy. It's beyond what you can comprehend. It's bigger than the harvest. It's bigger than, than the plunder. It's all that put together. It's this great celebration. It's joy I have for my people. You know, we think about Christmas time. Have you ever wondered, why do we sing joy to the world? It was the very first song we sung here during Advent. Joy to the world. Very familiar to all of you. Why do, why do people have decorations, decorative knickknacks in their house that say joy? Why does it say that? I was driving into Sewickley just the other day. Someone on their house has a big flag, and it says joy. What's that about? Well, this is where it starts. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 3, tells us about the joy. Tells us why the world is rejoicing. It's because there is this future hope in Christ. That's what it's about. That's why people are so joyous. And you might say, well, I don't feel so joyous this year. 2020, did you watch that video? Do you see all that stuff in the news? I don't feel very joyous. Well, exactly, exactly that kind of thought, exactly that kind of feeling and sentiment is what Isaiah is prophesying here. The advent of the Messiah brings the greatest, the greatest expression of joy that the world has ever known. And let me tell you this, it happens particularly, it happens especially amid gloom. If you are feeling like you can't get into the season this year because everything that's happened, well, listen, that's exactly the kind of joy that God wants to bring to you. A joy that you can't imagine. You know, last week we looked at verses one and two of chapter nine, and we talked about the, the verb tense that's used in this passage. It's fascinating. It's called the, the past perfect continuous. And what the past perfect continuous insinuates is something that begins in the past and continues and goes on and on and on and on into the future, to present times and beyond. And so what we read in, in chapter 9, verse 2 says this, the people walking in darkness 
have seen a great light. On those living in deep darkness, in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Listen, this is a joy. This is a message that's not only for the people living thousands of years ago, it's for people living now and it's for the future as well. And there is a joy that comes along with Christmas that we cannot overlook. Speaking of joy, I wanna, I wanna mention this. Uh, Pastor Robbie mentioned Urban Impact. Listen, did you know that Urban Impact is celebrating their 25th anniversary this year, just like Christ Church at Grove Farm? And we've been part, yeah, come on, give it up. And we've been partnering with Urban Impact for most of those 25 years. What a privilege it is. Two things I wanna rally you around. You know, if we're people who really understand the joy of Advent, the joy of Christmas. Here are two ways we can express that. Number one, you know, typically we have light the night right here at Christ Church on this platform and there's dancing and there's singing and there's theater. It's beautiful. It's, it's the kids who are part of the ministry of Urban Impact celebrating this great news of Jesus the Messiah. Well, this year, of course, it's not going to look like that. However, there's a video. I think it's about 30 minutes long. And there's going to be a live stream on December 18th I think all of us, from our homes, from, from, our, from our, our, our places where we stay during the week, should get online and watch this. Let's show a great expression of love to Urban Impact in this season. You know, so many of these online things, people will tell you they're not going so well. Let's not have that be the case for Urban Impact's Light the Night. Go online, register for it. You'll get the link to watch the video. Watch it and celebrate the joy of the season. Here's another way we can express joy. Here's another way we can, we can bring in the harvest and celebrate it. Here's a way we can divide the plunder on the north side. Urban Impact's been given a grant, a matching grant of $250,000. And so that means that if you give $100, it's like giving $200. If you give $1,000, it's like giving $2,000. Would you please consider giving a year-end gift to Urban Impact? This is, this is a way we could be generous and express our generosity and bless others with what God has blessed us, right? So Urban Impact, what a great ministry. I just want to say this too. Pastor Ed was to be here preaching today. He was to be sharing the message today. Both Pastor Ed and Tammy have COVID. They don't mind me telling you that. They definitely feel lousy. They're doing okay, they're at home, and they're recouping, they're getting better, but they would appreciate your prayers. And they would certainly appreciate your support of Urban Impact in this season. That's how we express joy. In the midst of gloom, we say, I want to be generous, and because the joy of the Lord, because He's enlarged the nation, I want to be a part of blessing others. That's the way we could do it, okay? Let's go back to the text. We've read verse 3. Let's go to verse 4 now and take a look at what Isaiah says in his ongoing portrait that he's painting of the future. He's talked about enlarging the nation. He's talked about people rejoicing in great joy. And then it says, for as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Okay, so he goes straight to talking about this oppression, a yoke, a bar, a rod, and this speaks of, the, of the, the, um, the, the, the pain of affliction, the suffering of affliction. It speaks of the, the, the suffering endured by the people of Israel. And it actually harkens back to the time when Israel was enslaved in Egypt. Go with me for just a moment to Exodus 6. 
verses 6 and 7, I want to show you these connections. I love how the Bible is so connected. It's connected to the greater story of the Bible. And you can see this here. Look at Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7. Therefore say to the Israelites, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from the yoke of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. And then, then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke, the yoke of the Egyptians. Isn't that amazing? And so when Isaiah speaks these words, as he paints this picture of the future, he's, he's activating some memories from their forefathers who were under oppression, the yoke of slavery, who had the, the, the suffering inflicted on them by the rod and by the bar. And he says, look, it's going to be like in the future, those things being broken. The yokes are broken. The rods and the bars, they are broken. These things are going to be undone. Now, some of us in our immediate future, when we think about the future, we think about Christmas, of course. And, and one of the things that you're probably aware of is that Christmas is actually the time when people feel loneliness. Did you know that almost 40% of our population experiences loneliness, like deep loneliness, solitude during Christmas time, and it leads to a lot of, of depression. And if you've ever been alone, if you've ever experienced what it's like to be lonely, to feel isolation, one of the things you know that happens is there's like this sense of the past weighing down on you. It's, it's like a yoke. There, there's this, this sense of sometimes you're present weighing down on you when you're alone, when you're isolated, when you're lonely. And what that causes us to do is to sometimes remember our sins, to remember our failures. When we're alone, we tend to think about the yoke of the past. We think about the ways we failed and maybe have led to our loneliness. Or think of our own sins and the ways our own behavior has maybe led to us being isolated. Well, here's the good news. The good news is if you have any kind of oppression, that the future picture is that the Messiah is going to come around along and he's going to break the rods of oppression. He's going to break the yoke of sin in your life. In fact, that is one of the messages of this passage. The joy of the Messiah comes into focus through forgiveness. The good news is that the rods of oppression, the yoke of slavery... The yoke of sin will be destroyed. Listen to Psalm 32. Check this out. This speaks to it. Blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven. The person who's forgiven, they're blessed. Whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them. In whose spirit is no deceit. This is what God's going to do. This is the picture of the future. He's going to break the rods of oppression. He's going to, he's going to crush the yoke of enslavement to sin. There's forgiveness. That's one of the messages of Advent of Christmas that we have right here in Isaiah chapter 9. And how will it be accomplished? How will it be done? Well, he says here in, in, in chapter 9, verse 4, for as in the day of Midian's defeat. He says it's going to happen just like it did in the day of Midian's defeat. Now, this will test your Bible literacy. But what is Midian's defeat referred to? Well, some of you know that this refers to Gideon. This refers to Gideon. 
Remember Gideon? Judges, 6 through 8. Go read it. Great, great, incredible story. And the story of Gideon is that this guy, who was nothing fancy, who was no one special in particular of his day, was called to lead an army. And God actually whittled his army down to just a relatively few people. And that army of people, of a small group of guys, in the middle of the night, had a sneak attack on Midian, who had a giant army. And by God's incredible strength, and by his hand, Midian was defeated. And it was a decisive defeat that Midian received. So what this tells us is this. The breaking of oppression is going to be like this. It's going to be like the day of Midian. And the day of Midian is the type of incredible victory. It's an incredible victory, which is achieved only by God's power, which happens through insignificant human strength. How's God going to break the rods? How's he going to break the yoke? Tell you how he's going to do it. He's going to do it through his power. And he will do it through insignificant human strength. And maybe this is how you make sense of the fact that the Lord could do what he did through Jesus. You know, if God could liberate Israel in the past by means of a few unarmed men led by Gideon, well then he can liberate, he could liberate Israel in the present by means of a child. And one of the, the complexities, one of the, the things that we wrestle with at Christmas is how could it be that God would save the world through a baby, baby Jesus, born in a manger, a feeding trough, in a stable, and of all places, a little tiny inconsequential town like Bethlehem. How could it be? Well, it's because God wants to show his might his power, the strength of his hand, a miraculous deed through insignificant human strength. Listen, the breaking of oppression, the breaking of rods, the breaking of yokes, the breaking of sin in your life is produced by the miraculous means of the Lord's power. Don't you want to be free? Don't you want to experience victory? Don't you want to experience this joy? Well, here's how it happens. It happens just like God did back in Midian. Just like God defeated Midian. It comes through God's power in your life, not your strength. You have to rely on him. What a powerful, powerful truth. You know, this reminds me that some of us have an impossible list. Like you might have some things, you're even aware of it, but you have an impossible list in your mind. Things that you don't think could ever happen. For instance, many, we're sitting here this morning and you have masks on in worship. If we went back to the beginning of 2020 and I said, hey guys, when we get to December, you're all going to be wearing masks when we come into the worship. Would you believe that? No, you would say that's impossible. There's no way that's going to happen. Well, here we are. That would have been on the impossible list. On a personal note, hey, four years ago, if you would have come to me and said, Craig, you are going to be the senior pastor of Christ Church at Grove Farm. I would have laughed at you. I said, no way. No way. We're probably not even going to move back to the Pittsburgh area. Are you kidding me? Well, here we are. It's happened. Do you have an impossible list? Things in your mind that you've kind of written off as, yeah, that probably won't happen. Yeah, that's, that's unlikely. You might have some scrooges in your life. You know what I mean? Bah humbug. People that maybe have hard hearts. Are there people in your life that you would love to see trust in Christ? Are there people in your life that you would love to see the, the, the yoke of oppression, the rod of sin broken in their life? And you think, ah, I just don't know if it's going to happen. 
I don't know if they'll ever come to Jesus. I don't know if they'll ever trust in God. Their heart's too hard. Is that, are they on your impossible list? Or do you have some habits yourself? Are there some sinful ways in you that you just can't be? For years and years, you've struggled with the same thing. Your tongue, your temper, your lust, whatever it might be. And you think, ah, I just don't know if I'm ever going to get over this. Let me ask you a question. Are you seeking God and trusting Him to do what only He can do? Are you? Because we serve the God who, who works like this, like in the days of Midian. He works like in the days of Midian. You know what he loves to do? He loves to display his power through inconsequential, insignificant human strength. That is what he wants to do for you, my people. You hear it? This is the message of the Messiah. This is the message of the prophecy that there's hope through Christ and Christ alone. Let's keep going in this passage. Man, the Lord's power, the breaking of oppression is produced by the miraculous means of the Lord's power. What a great truth. An impossible list. Verse 5. Every warrior's boot. He goes on to continue this picture of the future. What's the future going to look like? Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning. Will be fuel for the fire. Okay, let's break this down, okay? So you, you have the boots and the bloody garments. You wonder what those stand for, right? Well, they stand for military power. This stands for people who are oppressed by military forces. The uniform, the boots. This, this reminds us of a people who were, remember, they were captive. But spiritually, it reminds us of something too. Spiritually, it reminds us of the oppression of sin. We've been talking about it, that yoke, that rod. Spiritually, this, this military picture here Reminds us that there's this oppression of sin we face. And hey, let's not overlook this. That, that there's actually resistance from an enemy. What's going on in 2020? Why is all this happening? Have you forgot about the resistance of the enemy? And there's an enemy we face. He's wreaking havoc. Causing fear. Causing people to be afraid. Causing people to be hopeless about the future. That's what's going on. And here's what this picture here about the boots and the garments rolled in blood, and how they burned. It depicts a decisive victory, actually annihilation. It pictures a, 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 for us a, a victory that will be an annihilation, so much so that the enemy's clothing, uniform, will be burned like fuel for a fire. Well, who wins? Spoiler alert, Jesus is victorious. Spoiler alert, Jesus is the victor. He is the one who wins. This is imaginary language, and it's pointing to the victory of Jesus. Let me ask you a question. What's the picture you have of Jesus in your mind? You know, this time of year, Christmas, a lot of people, I think, think of Luke chapter 2. Let me read you from Luke 2, 12. Luke 2, 12 says this. There, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. That's a legit picture of, of Jesus. We know him to be that from the Scriptures. Baby. Lying cloths, lying in a feeding trough. Is that your picture of Jesus? Let me give you another picture of Jesus. I would suggest that this should be our picture of Jesus, especially in light of this passage. Look at Revelation 1. I'm going to read verses 12 through 16 to you. It says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, 
reaching down to his feet with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. In his right hand, he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. John, the writer of these words in Revelation, couldn't describe how powerful and mighty this Jesus is. What's your picture of Jesus? Listen, there's going to be a victory, a decisive victory. This is what the picture of the future is. It's painted by Isaiah, and Jesus wins. So much so that he will burn the garments of the enemy, their boots, their clothes, like fuel for a fire. It's going to be that decisive. That's the kind of hope we have. Listen, Advent reminds us that Jesus has been winning, past perfect continuous. He has been winning the battle since before time began. Write down Revelations 3, 13 8. Go read that. It speaks about the lamb who was slain before the foundation of the world. Look, Jesus is the victor. He's the winner. Time to get on the winning side, people. Time to act like a winner because we belong to the one. The picture of the future is clear. He is victorious. Do you see it? Okay, so last week, if you were here, uh, and by the way, all our sermons are online. You can go and watch any of them. Uh, you can watch last week's sermon, the first in this series, God With Us. I, I told you that I, I gave you a theme Christmas carol for this season. O come, O come, Emmanuel. I want to add to that playlist today. I got another Christmas carol I want to put before you. It's, it's called, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. You familiar with this one? Let me read to you the words of, of this Christmas carol. It says, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Born to set thy people free. From our fears. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation. Even in the midst of captivity. Israel's strength and consolation. Hope of all the earth thou art. He shall enlarge the nations. Dear desire of every nation. Joy. Joy, rejoicing of every longing heart. I think it sums up the message of Isaiah 9, verses 3 through 5, so well. <laughs> you may think, man, is that a Christmas carol? Where's the holly? Where's the jolly? Where's the talking snowmen? It's not that kind of Christmas song. This is the right kind of Christmas song, I would say. You know, as I think about our holiday season here, let me tell you our intent very clearly. Our intent is to remember Advent and Christmas as commemorating the nativity of Jesus and, it's important, and preparing for the second coming. And preparing for the second coming. We tend to think of, of Christmas as looking back, right? We look back to Bethlehem. We look back to the manger. We look back to the stable. That's great. But it's also looking to the future. You know, in 2020, it might seem like the future is up in the air. But let me tell you the good news. The future is not up in the air. It's not. Because of Jesus, because of his victory, the future is clearly not up in the air. We talked about this last week. Advent is the season when we have been preparing our hearts for the arrival of hope through Jesus Christ. 
Jesus Christ, who has been breaking the yoke of oppression. Jesus Christ, who has been bringing us complete joy. Jesus Christ, who has been destroying the enemy. This is what we're preparing our hearts to receive. This is the hope we have during the season of Advent. So let me ask you a question. Do you desire to have the power of sin broken in your life? Do you desire to experience real Christmas joy? Do you want to see victory in your life? It's all through the Messiah who's prophesied of in Isaiah 9, verses 3 to 5. He is the one who will enlarge the nation. He's adopted you. He is the one who will bring you true joy, the kind of celebrating the world has never seen. He's the one who will break the rods of slavery, of sin in your life. And he'll do it through miraculous means. He'll, he'll do it through a baby, through Jesus, through his power, his glorious strength. And his victory will be so complete, so utterly complete, that it's like the enemy's clothing, their uniforms will be burned up as fuel for the fire as we revel in the victory of Jesus. This is the good news of Advent. This is the good news of Christmas. So here's what we're going to do here in a moment. We're going to have the privilege, Robbie's going to lead us, in celebrating the sacrament of communion. Mm, I love it. And when we go through our liturgy, there's a part that Robbie's going to say, and we proclaim the mystery of faith. Are you familiar with this part? And when we say this, there are three statements. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And importantly today for us, Christ will come again. The future is not in question. It's not up in the air. We are on victory's side because of Jesus. That is what we celebrate this Christmas. So as you take the wafer today, the bread, as you take the cup, would you proclaim that Jesus Christ will come again, that he's the victor, that you have hope for the future, that we don't have to be afraid or fearful because of him. And listen, if, if you've never trusted in Jesus, if you've never put your faith in him, there is an opportunity today, and it's a unique one. If you want to put your trust in Christ, you have a little exercise here, an object lesson we're going to go through. And this bread reminds us of his broken body on the cross, given for us. This juice reminds us of his blood shed for us. So as you peel back these little plastic papers here, and you eat that bread, this is your way of saying, God, thank you for Jesus, for his body broken for me. That I could really live, that, that I could face the future unafraid. And God, thank you for this, this juice that reminds me of Jesus' blood shed for me to wash away my sins, to have the, the power of sin broken in my life. Thank you, God, that I have a hope for a future, that you are victorious. You take it and you make your statement of faith through this exercise. Look, if you don't believe in Jesus, don't do it. But if you want to express your faith in him today, we have a chance to remember together that Christ will come again.
we're going to say a prayer together this way today. I'm going to have Marcus and Brad lead us in singing, Come Thou Long-Expected Jesus. So would you rise to your feet? And as a faith family, would you lift your voices and sing this song of faith, of victory, remembering the baby who was born in Bethlehem and looking ahead to his powerful return. Let's sing it.